The Oklahoma City Thunder have won their last game of the regular season, and now they head to the offseason with a ton of questions to be answered. We're going to wrap up the game against the Los Angeles Clippers and talk about the final lottery odds standings after this. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's not R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Call in the show for 05362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Locked On NBA. The NBA playoffs are almost here. Do not miss the biggest storylines and team previews you can find every single day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on Odyssey or wherever else you get your podcast from. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Check out their app. You can find this podcast. You can find Locked On NBA and all of our other Locked On shows on the Odyssey app. On today's show, we're going to dive into the tanking standings, which has been made official now that the NBA season is finally over. We're going to wrap up the final three Thunder games and preview the NBA postseason all on today's episode of Locked on Thunder. Today's show is being recorded at like midnight in a extra room in hospice on a blue snowball. So not exactly the best setup or the setup that you're used to hearing. So apologies for that. But hey, after a, a week of no shows, I thought it would be best to put something out there instead of nothing. But the audio will return to normal uh, once we return home. Uh, so until then, this is what we are left with. Now, let's get into this game against the Clippers, which is the most prominent game because it happened most recently and it has the most impact on the future of this team. In this game, SGA's out, Lou Dort's out, Mike Muscala's out, Ty Jerome's out, Darius Baisley, while not listed on the injury report, did not play. Neither did Kendrick Williams. Neither did Sue Mackay Luke. Neither did Ty Jerome. Like, all of these players did not play. And Tail Maldon, your rookie, plays just 13 minutes. Isaiah Roby plays just 12 minutes. And this team still found a way to win against the Clippers. It's frustrating to, to win this game because at the end of the day, you lose seven percentage points from the lottery's perspective, and you have your worst possible outcome fall from seven to nine. If they would have won this game, the worst they could have fallen post-lottery, post-lottery, would have been seven. Right? The, the worst case scenario happening would be the Thunder get picked seven. Now it's nine. Granted, nine has a 0.2% chance of happening, but it's still nine. There's still a percentage chance, and then that makes your next um, lowest you can fall is eight. So you do, you do lose some positioning there on the back end as well as the front end in this loss, uh, or this win, I should say, what feels like a loss for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, but both teams wanted to lose this game greatly because you have on one side the Clippers, who want to avoid the Lakers prior to the Western Conference Finals, and for the Thunder, you want to lose to up your tanking to what could have been the top three, or bottom three, if you will, which the bottom three all have the same odds at getting uh, the top overall pick, so that's why you want to be there so desperately, but instead, the Thunder are now at four, and they're tied with Cleveland at that spot. So there's a lot of emotion going into this game. So number one, you have to remember a couple weeks ago, we thought that this pick you know, pre-lottery, would be sitting at five. You know, just sitting at five, and that was kind of the best that they could do because of what they did in the early season. 
Instead, you're sitting at four. So you did gain ground there. Now, not as much ground as you could have gained had you lost this game. And really, had you played any other team in the NBA, you probably would have lost this game today. But you played a team that also wanted to tank just as badly as you did. And you saw that in this game tonight. And neither team was into this game. Neither team was rooting on their teammates. They kind of both knew, all right, last game of the year, we both want to lose this game. Let's just kind of move on. You know, this game is a mixed bag of emotion because you do have the highs that we're talking about with Pokashevsky and with Josh Hall and with Moses Brown, but you do have that loss of percentage points. And at the end of the day, again, a couple weeks ago, I said that the best case scenario is probably going to be five and you end up tied for four. That's a step up. That's an improvement. And then now you just wait. You just wait until June 22nd. And, and as I mentioned on, on Twitter, you know, evaluating the tanking standings right now, while easy to do, and while it's a good reactionary piece, and we all uh, felt that reaction in the moment, that, that snap of the finger reaction when the final buzzer sounded and Poku hit that game-winning three, we all felt that that kind of dejection. While it's easy to do that right now, looking in June 22nd, looking into the future, if pick seven leaps up to number one, then we'll all be saying, well, why didn't they just keep uh, you know winning, or why didn't they just keep their original tank plan that had them pacing for seven and around that area? And if it falls to three, and three leaps to number one, and you know, three is the one that makes that big jump, then they'll, then we'll say, why did they have to win this last game, or why are they winning against Boston? So like, we're going to do revisionist history on this on June 22nd, so to do it right now, when we still don't know what seed you really want to be, sure, you want to be in that top three to give yourself the best chance, but at the end of the day, if slot number seven leaps up to number one, you'd much rather be number seven than number one. That's just as clear-cut as it could be uh, to where it's just kind of it's just kind of hard to judge what the impact of this means. The way that we could last year, last year when Muscala hits that three in the bubble, you knew right away that pick was going to Philadelphia. This year, that's not the case. We, we don't really know what this means. We don't really know the impact it has. And it could mean that you get the number one overall pick. What if pick four, you know, what if slot four goes to number one and slot three drops to number five and you ended up helping yourself by winning this game to get the top overall pick that could happen as well we don't really know uh, what the outcome of this will be necessarily but i can see both sides of it the only outcome that means absolutely nothing is a scoreboard because winning this game does nothing for you i mean winning this game there's not going to be this hoorah moment there's not going to be this kind of springboard moment that leaps into next year and you take this win and next year you make the play-in tournament you make the playoffs because you won the final game of the season that, that is Disney movie stuff. That's not reality. This win on the scoreboard means nothing. It only means a negative things, and it loses you that two percentage points, uh, the two percentage points for Cade and the seven overall in terms of the top four, top five of this draft. At the end of the day, Oklahoma City can still get pick number one. They can still get picks one and five. They can still get two picks generally, you know, generally in the top five, and they can still have their budding superstar in SGA, and they still have Sam Presti, who is one of, if not the very best, GM in this sport. So you have to look at it that way as well, along with the just vast majority of future draft capital and just general assets that the Thunder have to improve this team and to team, team build this year and in the future. And you know what? If you're going to win games, as I've said all season long, I want it to be with the young guys and not a guy like Kendrick Williams, not a guy like Al Horford, not a guy like Mike Muscala. I want you to win games on the back of Pokashevsky and guys like Josh Hall and Moses Brown, albeit those two less important, but Pokashevsky very important. You want to win games on those guys, not necessarily your old your old heads, and they did that. They won this game in large part due to point guard Pokashevsky. The Thunder did everything they could to lose this game. Like, let's just call it what it is. Despite winning, they sat SGA, sat Lou Dort, sat Muscala, sat Ty Jerome, sat Darius Baisley. They only play Tail Meldon 13 minutes. They only play Isaiah Roby 12 minutes. They sit Kendrick Williams. 
there's not anything else I could have done, right? This lineup here should not win an NBA game. Josh Hall playing 42 minutes, Moses Brown, Alexei Kulishevsky, those guys should not win you games. Charlie Brown Jr., Jalen Horde playing 30 minutes apiece, that's not a winning lineup. Like, there's not anything else I could have done. The only thing is maybe Moses Brown's size really helped the Thunder out to where playing small ball Roby would have been better than sitting him for all but 12 minutes. However, I think that Isaiah Roby as a basketball player is a better player. So are you really going to quabble with that too much just because of the pure nature size of Moses Brown? You do transition into a better player, though, with, with Roby playing the small ball five. There's nothing to really pick apart for the Thunder in terms of them winning this game that they could have done differently because they tried every single avenue and the Clippers just jacked up threes and they didn't go in. If the Clippers uh, make more than 10 of these 43 threes, then all of a sudden uh, they've won this game and we are celebrating the streets right now of Oklahoma City. Again, literally playing Pokoshevsky at point guard and then allowing him to call the offense and to call plays in that first half, as Mark said. I'm not sure what more they could have done to try to put this team at a disadvantage to win games. And Pokoshevsky, to his credit, Stood up well. 40 minutes in this game. He is the most efficient he's really been. 10 for 19 from the floor, 52%. And then 66% from beyond the arc, 75% from the free throw line. Eight rebounds, just two assists, but does pour in 29 points. He does have seven turnovers. His size really limited him in that area because they were able to swarm him. Whenever him and Moses Brown and Josh Hall are your two big bucket getters, or I should say three big bucket getters, and your only source of offense, it was easy to kind of zero in on Alexei Pokoshevsky. Whenever he's swarmed by two, three defenders, they're going to lose the ball in that ball handler role and rack up those turnovers and crisping up those dribbles will be good for his game long term he's already talked about that in the media we'll have the exit interviews today uh, so we'll hear more from him about his summer plans but he's talked about how he wants to get stronger wants to get better on the dribble you know and kind of tighten that up so those turnovers do limit themselves we saw this with everybody I mean Darius Baisley for example whenever he first got those ball handling minutes whenever he returned from injury he had huge turnover games time after time until those kind of settled down a bit recently before of course not playing in this game Coming up, let's recap this uh, Clippers game some more and then dive into the tanking standings, where everyone sits, and what it all means coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Indeed.com. Indeed.com is the place you want to be. You are the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of qualified candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier, and you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that helps making hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your qualified shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job descriptions faster, only pay for the candidates that Meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews on Indeed's dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you qualified candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job descriptions immediately. And Indeed skill test that on average reduce hiring times by 27%. You can choose from more than 100 30 skill tests that add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applicants that meet them. According to uh, Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now at Indeed.com. You'll get a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 job credit at Indeed.com slash locked. $75 job credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions may apply.
We're back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. In this game, Alexei Pobachevsky showed those flashes of what he could be. And that's another thing to remember during this time is that the Thunder have a budding superstar in SGA. They have guys who could become you know, all-star caliber players like Pokashevsky and Teo Maldon, and then they have Darius Baisley and, of course, Lou Dort. And Dort already has that tangible NBA skill that can make him uh, an elite weapon with that defense, and then the improved offense we've seen this year really helps him become an all-around NBA player. So this team still has a great trajectory. Uh, it's just a matter of the timeline. Like, that's what we're going to start to figure out this summer, is what does the timeline look like for competing for championships? Because it does change dramatically if you get picks 1 and 5, or picks 8 and 18, right? It just changes uh, by a wide scale. So we'll have to see this summer. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. No matter if you do have your worst case scenario happen where you get the eighth pick and you get Miami's pick, or if you get one in five, there's going to be a championship light at the end of this tunnel whenever you have the parts that Oklahoma City has already gotten. And Pogoshevsky showed you that today, that he can be that transcendent talent, and whenever we last saw Poku take a break from the NBA and go to the G League bubble and have a chance to refine his game, we saw a massive leap from him. Now, he'll get an even longer layoff to refine his game, and we're hoping to see a massive leap from him again during next season. So, this is just the beginning for Pokoshevsky, and of course, Taylor Maldon as well. In this one, we'll see what happens with those two moving forward. Josh Hall was awesome, and Mark talked about it pregame, that the reason they started Josh Hall was because he's dealt with injuries all year long. That's really not allowed him to show off his NBA talent, and that's why he plays 42 minutes in their final game. And he's very efficient. has his best game of his career, which is not saying too much. He's only played in a handful of games, but puts up 25 points on 52% from the floor. Had a couple nice drives, a beautiful and one a couple times. 10 rebounds, nine of which coming on the defensive end to end possessions. Two assists as well, and just the three turnovers. Played some nice defense at times, but did have some foul trouble. One of those fouls, of course, was the offensive foul, the charging foul on him. Look, Josh Hall was awesome. I'm not sure what happens with his future. You know on this podcast I've hyped him up for a long time, going way back to the preseason, and things with you know things like injuries did not help him in, in any way, and he did not get to showcase his, his skill set. You know, I hope at the very least he's back with the blue next year. I hope at the very best he's on a two-way contract next year getting to prove himself again. I think he deserves another chance. I think he deserves a, a two-way spot next year to go back and forth with the NBA and the G League and play in the summer league and do all those things that, that he needs to do because I think that he's really the prize of this two-way crop whenever you've already converted Moses Brown. I said all along in the preseason that, that Josh Hall would be the one to get converted to a, to a two-way deal. That, of course, to an NBA deal from a two-way deal. That, of course, did not happen because of the injuries, because of other factors. Give him one more go of it next year on that two-way contract and see what happens from there. But the Thunder have a ton of roster questions to answer, which is what we're going to get into all throughout the offseason. Still going to go daily podcast. Still going to churn out a ton of content all offseason long. So make sure you're following along on Locked on Thunder anywhere. You get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And in this game, Moses Brown, again, performs very well, uh, but... It's kind of just due to his size a little bit. He's going up against guys that are like 6'10", and he was able to dominate 18 rebounds, 24.7 blocks. I mean, that's crazy to have seven blocks. But Moses Brown showed that he can do certain things in certain matchups, and he's really moved He's really moved me not off of the position I had of him being just a simple role player that can find matchups to exploit like he did today. And he'll be the one getting exploited in other matchups. And so at the end of the day, he's going to be kind of this gimmicky player uh, down the line in the NBA and not necessarily a player you rely on heavily in your future plans. You just kind of put him on the back burner in your rotation. 
but he can also have games like this where he goes for 18 and 24 with seven freaking blocks. He was he was really good in this one. And this, this is the kind of game where you're getting that, finally, you're getting that efficient Poku game. And finally, you're getting Josh Hall to show you those NBA flashes we've talked about all season long. And you're getting Moses Brown to have seven blocks and 24 points and 18 rebounds. But it comes at the worst possible time because even with all of that, you only win this game 117 to 112. And if the Clippers even play one of their talented players, then this is a whole new ballgame. I mean, even Reggie Jackson, who did technically play, plays just six minutes in this game. Zubak, of course, he did play, but he only played the six seconds because he had an active game streak he wanted to uphold, and then he wanted to rest. So he did get those six seconds in to keep that active game streak. And then Patrick Patrick Patterson, atrocious. Patrick Patterson cannot play in Oklahoma City. He just can't. There's something about Chesapeake Energy Arena that he hates. He hates playing in Bricktown. You saw it whenever he was a Thunder. You saw it whenever he's now back with the Clippers. He hates Chesapeake for some reason, and, and, and the guy just cannot play there. I was sad that we did not get that, that game from him, uh, that kind of revenge game to help the Thunder out with their lottery odds. Even Patrick Beverly falls short in this one. Who You're kind of relying on Patrick Patterson, Patrick Beverly, Reggie Jackson to do the Thunder good, and of course, that never never comes to flourishing. Uh, we should have known better than to rely on those guys. Serge Ibaka plays pretty well off the bench, but only in 18 minutes. He just has a kind of a solid game in general. But the real thing here is that th- is the fact that we finally have the odds set. We finally have the Tankathon rankings set in full. It's going to look like this. Houston, Detroit, Orlando, Oklahoma City at four tied with Cleveland. So your top four teams are going to be Houston one, Detroit second, Orlando third, and then a tie for fourth with Oklahoma City and Cleveland. And then you're going to go down to Minnesota, who has, of course, their pick top three protected. Anything below three goes to Golden State, something to watch for with the Thunder in the Western Conference. The Raptors at seven, uh, and the Pelicans, Kings, and Bulls all at eight. Charlotte at 11, San Antonio at 12, Indiana at 13, and Memphis at 14. So that's what you're looking at with the lottery odds right now. Pre-play-in, which I believe that the the slot should be frozen in the play-in no matter if one of these teams do leap uh, in the play-in and do survive the play-in. Uh, but I'm not quite sure on that, but I do believe it should be frozen like it was last year in the bubble. So what does this all mean for Oklahoma City? Well, the Thunder have an 11.5% chance at getting the top overall pick. So they have an 11.5% chance of getting Kate Cunningham. They have an 11.4% chance of getting pick number two, 11.2% chance of getting pick number three, an 11% chance of getting pick number four, and a 2% chance at getting pick number five via their own pick. Of course, Houston uh, will have a 47.9% chance of getting the fifth overall pick. And if Houston does fall to five, that pick goes to Oklahoma City. So that's something to watch for, of course, with the Thunders pick in all of this. The lowest possible pick Oklahoma City can have is nine. Granted, there's only a 0.6% chance of getting the ninth overall pick for Oklahoma City. So how realistic is that? That's to be determined. Uh, the next lowest, of course, would be eight, which is an 8.6% chance at getting uh, pick number eight. The largest percent chance is number seven, which is going to come in at 25.5% chance at getting pick number seven. And then, of course, you basically have a, a 50% chance of getting a top five pick from Houston. And then if you combined all of picks one, two, three, and four for Oklahoma City, you add that all up and it's 11 plus 11 plus 11 plus 11, which is a math I cannot do right now at midnight and I can't really do in broad daylight anyway, but you get the gist of it. They have a a great chance of being at least one time in the top five. We'll do our three 
Tankathon spins on tomorrow's show, but that's kind of your best and worst case scenario. A good scenario is just anything in the top five. If you get one pick in the top five, then this season's a massive success because that's what you've been aiming for this entire time. This is a draft class that has five franchise-altering players. You want one of the five, and so you just want one in the top five. Anything more than that is a great scenario, and of course, the dream scenario is picks one and picks five. The only disastrous case scenario is you fall like pick eight or nine and do not get the Houston pick, and you get Miami's pick instead. That would then be a devastation, but we'll talk about coming up what the Thunder do from here. Now that the games are no longer at their disposal to improve their lottery odds, how can they improve their draft pick in other ways, such as getting involved on the trade market? But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball is in full swing. You can track all of the action at betonline.ag. Get all of this news, odds, information on your sporting needs, such as MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign up for bonuses and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and to get in on the action as teams prepare for their playoff runs in basketball and in the NHL. Both playoffs are fun. You want to bet on every single one of them, so go check it out at betonline.ag. Head over there to their website, betonline.ag, or even you can use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts at betonline.ag. Use our code Locked On. Our code will grant you that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I want to tell you right now, but our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar. It tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your next order. Built Bars are incredible. They have nine delicious flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Uh, there's something for everyone at BuiltBar.com. Now, you'll know my favorite flavor is... Peanut butter brownie. I love peanut butter brownie. Check it out right now at BetBar.com. You're going to want to get on this action because most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carb. You will want to try it out today. Order right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15. 15% off your next order. They're great for the keto diet. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for pre-workout, great for post-workout, even great as a meal replacement. Try them out today. BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15. 15% off your next order. All right, let's get back into the show, and we're going to do our playoff preview tomorrow as we wrap up the uh, as we wrap up the exit interviews tomorrow as well because we're kind of running late on time right now but let's talk about what this standing means for the thunder in terms of the, the lottery and can they trade up and things like that look we won't really have any answers until the draft is finalized and until we see the simulation or I should say until we see the actual drawing uh, of where the thunder actually finished post lottery so where they finish post lottery matters a ton and it will really define all of this for the thunder but going into it right now, what we do know is that the Thunder have Sam Presti, and Sam Presti is very aggressive. Sam Presti is going to try his best to capitalize on this draft that has so much talent and try his best to accelerate the timeline as much as possible without mortgaging the future. If you don't really believe that Evan Mobley can be great, you're not going to mortgage the future for him. The Thunder have to have two things. Number one, they have to have a willing partner in this trade talk. It takes two to make a trade happen. Number two, they have to fully believe in the player that they're trading up to get. Do they do they fully, without a doubt, believe that Evan Mobley is significantly better than Keon Johnson at eight, or than James Bougnat at seven, or than Scotty Barnes at six? Do they fully believe that? And then do they have the partner to dance with them a little bit at picks number two, three, four, five? 
That takes that's two pretty big things, and the stars have to align for you. Much like they did though for Dallas and Atlanta. Atlanta really wanted Trey Young, but they knew taking him there was a reach. And Dallas really wanted Luka Doncic ever since December. They wanted Luka Doncic, and then they finally got him by trading for him. It takes stars to align, but stars can't align in this in this sense. We'll see what happens moving forward. At the end of the day, you do have Sam Presti, and you do have a treasure trove of assets which you haven't even cashed into right now. So you you have the picks, you have dispendable players like let's say Darius Baisley. Darius Baisley is a nice sweetener because there's still a chance he becomes a really good player. There's still a chance he becomes an all-star, but there's also the real possibility that he's going to be really a role player whenever it's all said and done. There, That's two dramatic ceilings and floors. That's two dramatically different perspectives. That means he's a really good sweetener at his age with a couple first-round picks, three first-round picks, four first-round picks, whatever it takes to move up. And you're going to have two in this draft class alone. And you're also going to have a really good second-round pick in this draft class, which I think has some really good second-round talent. So you're going to have the tools to trade up. You're going to have the GM who will be aggressive enough to trade up. Look, Sam Presti wanted to trade up for Lamelo Ball last year, and they were picking in the 20s last year, whenever you want to trade up for Lamelo Ball, who went number three. They're going to try their best to trade up. Now, will it work? I do not think that there's a package on the table from everyone I've talked to. I've talked to a lot of people about this. I do not think there's a package on the table that can get you Kid Cunningham. I think that he's a can't-miss prospect, a guy that you do not trade anything for, uh, no matter who gets the top overall pick. No matter if it's a, a team like Cleveland or a team like Sacramento who has some guard depth, no matter what happens, you take Cade. I also would have said about about Luka. I feel like if I talked to these same people about Luka, they would have said the same thing. We'll see what happens, though, moving forward in this scenario. But I do think Cade's off limits. Everyone else, though, has that what-if factor, right? You have the knocks on, on Evan Mobley about how he sometimes disappears in games and you have the wars about big men. So if the Thunder really love him, they can trip up and get him. You have the questions about Kaminga. Can he shoot at the NBA level? If he cannot shoot, what is his ceiling on the NBA level? You have the questions about Jalen Green, who runs so hot and cold in the NBA draft circles. It's interesting to, to talk to people about him because me personally, I think he's the second best player in this draft class. But you talk to somebody else and they'll have him in the top five. So like, it, it's crazy the 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 ebbs and flows of the Jalen Green conversation where he's going to be very gettable via the trade. You talk about Jalen Suggs, and Jalen Suggs is a player now where if you are Cleveland, if you are Sacramento, and you fall a pick three, pick four, and Suggs is your best player available, how does he change what you're doing at Sexton Fox and Halliburton and, and uh, Garland? How does he change all of that And Okoro? How does he change all of that? He's maybe gonna, he's maybe going to create that log jam. We'd rather have a, a Kaminga than a, another guard in Suggs if you're Cleveland or Sacramento, and at that point, be willing to play ball with Oklahoma City, who wants to go up and get Suggs, for example. So, like the the, the trade options all depend on who's going to be in those slots, who the Thunder want, but they're going to try. And last year, they saw a guy they wanted in the middle of the ball, and they saw that they could try to get the middle of the ball. They did try, and they failed because the, the other party would not tangle with them. That could happen this year, but it will not be from a lack of trying. Just remember to take a deep breath because we could easily look back on this game and say it's the reason why the Thunder got the top overall pick. Because if, if pick if pick four leaps up to number one, you wouldn't have pick four without winning this game. You could also look back on it and say this is the reason why you don't have to get Cunningham. Because if pick three goes up to number one, well, this is why you don't have pick three. Like, you know, why you don't have slot three. It's all just up in the air for now, and we'll have a ton of time to do a what-if week about this game against the Clippers and the game against Boston. Those are two big what-ifs that we'll talk about for a long, long time. Add them to a ton of what-ifs in Oklahoma City Thunder history, which we went over last year during the quarantine. To wrap up the final game of the regular season, we will do, of course, our MVP pick, which is Pokoshevsky, because Alexei Pokoshevsky 
showed you the NBA promise, showed you why Sam Presti took that swing on him in the first round, traded up to get him in that first round, really zeroed in on him from the get-go. After you heard those rumblings of Lamelo Ball, which we knew were like a 0.1% chance of happening, once you heard those rumblings and those kind of went by the wayside, other than him, it was all Pokashevsky, and it was rare to see the Thunder let the cat out of the bag. They did that in this case with Pokashevsky. They bet on themselves. They let everyone know about Pokashevsky. They they did it to the point where the Mavericks were, were playing coy with the Thunder about taking Pokashevsky, and it ends up working out in their favor with Pokashevsky so far. He's been very good. He's been better than expected, and we'll see how he progresses next year, but this is a great first step in that direction as he plays that kind of point guard position, that weird seven-foot point guard uh, slot for him. The bet of the day was the Thunder plus nine from AG. We cash in to end the year. Moneyball, though, we lose to end the year. I had Tail Malbon, and of course, he barely plays in this game, so he does not lead the team in three-pointers made. That instead is Poku hitting six threes, going six for nine, nice from beyond the arc. Again, I apologize for the audio quality in this setting. I mean, it's 12.30 a.m. now at this hospice in a spare room that I'm trying my hardest not to not to uh, disrupt anyone here. Uh, and, of course, you know how difficult this time has been on me and my family. Uh, but I, I did try my best to, to get podcasts out as much as possible. We'll try to get them out throughout these next couple of days. But uh, everything is so up in the air, as you know, uh, with my mom my family. So I appreciate everyone being uh, so patient and all the kind words and the kind messages on Twitter and everything else. That, that means a lot to me. We've we've got a whole year on Lockdown Thunder. There's going to be many more years, hopefully, on Lockdown Thunder. So I appreciate you all being here, following along, listening every single day, checking out the podcast. If you've taken any single second to listen to the podcast before, I greatly appreciate you. And, and again, thank you for the uh, for for the patience in this time. I am trying my best to get the podcast out as much as possible. We will stay daily all summer long, and I'll have a lot of makeup episodes uh, just to kind of reward your patience and try to create new content even on weekends and things like that. And double episode days to try to reward you all for the kind words and the and the patience uh, but y- you can never prepare uh, to, to lose someone like your mom but especially that 23 so it's been very hard uh, for all of us uh, but I appreciate all of you guys out there sincerely and again the the audio will be back to uh, our normal well-sounding audio uh, soon I have a whole week of shows planned this week. It's just a matter of finding time to record them, finding space to record them. Uh, But until the next show, be good and be good to one another. Perfect ending to a historic...